You're listening to the Luca's Italy podcast with food, culture and history from the land of pizza and the Leaning Tower of Pisa. I'm Luca Marchiori and today I'll be talking about how an Ethiopian bean became Italy's black gold. 300 years ago this week, the place to be in Venice was a new cafe called Alla Venezia Trionfante in the Piazza San Marco. It had been opened a few weeks before, in fact on the 29th of December, by Floriano Francesconi. Despite its patriotic name, the café soon became known by the name of its owner, Café Florian. It attracted the great, the good and the fashionable, including playwright Carlo Goldoni and, because it was the only coffee shop in the whole of Venice that admitted women, the Lothario Casanova. By the mid-1700s, there were more than 200 coffee shops in Venice, and not all of them were as grand as Café Florian. In fact, we get a much better view of what a Venetian coffee shop of the 18th century would have been like from a play written by Carlo Goldoni in 1750 called La Bottega del Café. This play was set in a small square or campo in Venice, um, on which on one side there was a barber shop, on the other side there was a betting shop, and in the middle a bottega di caffè, a coffee shop. Because of the play's location, we can glean some insights into what a coffee shop in Venice of the period would have been like. Firstly, the play mentions that coffee shop owners would have had to get up very early in the morning. At the beginning of the play, the owner of the cafe lists his clients as travellers, workers, boatmen and sailors, all people who have to get up early in the morning. He also says that coffee was relatively new as a fashion and had recently replaced aqua vita, uh, which is basically alcohol like Italian grappa. He also gives us an insight into the quality of coffee. He says that when a coffee shop opens, for six months it serves perfect coffee, and after that it serves hot water and watered-down soup. But we also get an insight into the profits that are to be made. When someone suggests that the owner of the coffee shop places a bet in the betting shop next door, he says, no, 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 no. He says, with coffee, betting on coffee, you're guaranteed an income of 50%, and what could be better than that? Coffee has its origins in Ethiopia, and by the 16th century, it was very popular in the Arab world, particularly in the Ottoman Empire and the Middle East. And in fact, coffee entered Europe through the city of Venice because of its trade routes with the city of Constantinople. In 1581, a Venetian called Francesco Morosini, who was later to become one of the most colourful doges the city ever saw, mentions coffee in a dispatch to the Venetian government whilst he was ambassador in Constantinople. And almost 10 years later, in 1592, a Venetian botanist called uh, Prospero Alpini, who had spent a lot of time travelling in Egypt, wrote a book about the plants of Egypt, which contains the first scientific description published in Europe of the coffee plant. At first, the Catholic Church was very suspicious of coffee, probably because of its association with the Muslim world, and in fact the cardinals at the time wanted to have it banned because they said it was created by the devil. But then Pope Clement VIII asked to try some coffee, and he was very impressed with it, and he said, nothing that tastes this good can come from the devil, and besides, it would be a pity to let the Muslims have it all to themselves. 
1615, coffee was being touted in Venetian pharmacies as a miracle pick-you-up. And in 1645, the first Bottega del Café, or coffee shop, opened in the city. It was a huge success, and similar coffee shops soon opened in other Italian cities, such as Turin and Florence, but also in cities abroad, such as London, Paris, and Vienna. In fact, Vienna soon became, and still is today, one of the most important coffee-loving cities in Europe. By the late 18th century, coffee had really reached the height of popularity in Italy, and it's worth noting that there are several coffee shops from this period which are still in existence in Italy today, such as Café Florian and Café I Quadri in Venice, Café El Greco in Rome, and similar historic establishments in Turin, Florence, and Trieste. In fact, Trieste by this point was under Austrian rule and it soon developed a coffee culture which was one of the most famous coffee cultures of any Italian city. In fact, it was the Austrians that brought coffee to the other city in Italy which later became synonymous with coffee and that's Naples. In 1768, Maria Carolina, the sister of Marie Antoinette of France, became queen of Naples and she introduced the Austrian coffee culture to Naples at that time. The Neapolitans went nuts for coffee and very soon, by the early 1800s, there were itinerant coffee sellers to be found all over the city. In 1816, a Frenchman called Maurice invented a gadget which enabled people to make coffee at home. He called it the Cafetiera Napolitana, and it soon became very popular in Naples under the name of the Cucumella. The Cucumella, which was first made of copper and later of aluminium, was in three parts. It had a reservoir for water, it had a section to put coffee in, and then it had what looked like an upside-down coffee pot. And what you'd do is you put coffee in the middle, water in the bottom, then you'd heat the water until it was almost boiling, and then you'd turn the whole thing upside down, and gravity would pull the water down through the coffee into the coffee pot at the bottom, which was now no longer upside down. As I said, these were really popular in Naples, but also in the rest of Italy, and really remained the main way that Italians made coffee at home until 1933. In that year, Alfonso Bialetti, an Italian, invented the mocha, which soon became the most popular way to make coffee and still is today. In fact, the design of the mocha from 1933 is identical to the design still used today. Like the Cafetiera Napolitana, the mocha is also in three parts. You put water in the lower parts, coffee in the middle, and then above there is a coffee jug. But unlike the Cucumella, with the mocha, the hot water is forced up through pressure through the coffee and ends up getting trapped in the coffee jug at the top. So it was much easier to use because you didn't have to do the turning the thing upside down. 1848 in Europe became known as the Year of Revolution because it was a year in which political unrest swept through many countries. But it also saw a revolution in the way in which coffee was made in bars because it was in that year that the espresso coffee was invented. 
The first espresso machine was invented by a Turinese man called Angelo Moriondo and was first shown at an exhibition in that city in 1848. Because it was able to make coffee so fast, coffee could be made to order for the client, therefore being made expressly for the client, which is where the name Café Espresso comes from. And for the next 100 years, it really became the way that coffee was made in bars up and down the Italian peninsula. The machine was modified slightly in 1901 by somebody called Luigi Bezzera. In the right hands, it was able to make very good coffee very fast. But in the wrong hands, it had a tendency to make coffee which was a bit bitter or even burned. In 1938, Achille Gaggia invented the modern espresso machine, which was much easier to use, but it wasn't put into production for another 10 years because of the outbreak of the Second World War. Gaggia's machine had improved pressure valves, but the main innovation was that it was able to keep water at a constant temperature, which avoided the possibility of burning the coffee. The espresso soon became so popular that if you go into a bar today and ask for a coffee, you get an espresso. Italy is by no means the largest consumer of coffee in the world, but it has developed a coffee culture which is very famous and has influenced coffee cultures of other countries. Most Italian coffee drinkers will drink coffee either in the morning, at home or in a bar on the way to work and after lunch. Italian men tend to drink slightly more coffee than women. Men drink an average of 1.7 cups a day, whereas women drink an average of one and a half cups. But a staggering 81% of Italian coffee drinkers will drink three cups a day. About a third of Italian coffee drinkers will drink it black with no sugar, whereas 63% of Italian coffee drinkers will drink it with sugar, milk or cream. There are many different types of coffee available in Italian bars, but they're all based on the basic espresso. The three most important are the espresso itself, a ristretto, which is an espresso but with less water, and of course the cappuccino. When people talk about Italian coffee culture, they often highlight the rules, some of which sound rather bizarre, like you're not supposed to drink cappuccino or coffee with milk after 11 o'clock in the morning. However, if you ask an Italian, the real rules are to do with how you make the coffee. Any Italian barista will tell you that the choice of coffee is very important, but also that the way the coffee is ground is essential. It has to be ground so that the right dose of water can pass through the coffee in between 25 and 30 seconds. The temperature of the water is also very important. It should be at 94 degrees centigrade when it goes into the coffee and 86 degrees centigrade when it comes out into the cup. That's 201 degrees Fahrenheit when it goes into the coffee and 186.8 when it comes out. The pressure of the machine needs to be between 9 and 15 atmospheres, depending on the kind of machine. And there should be between 7 and 9 grams of coffee. That's a quarter to a third of an ounce. For a normal espresso, there should be between 35 and 40 milliliters of coffee in the cup. That's 1.2 fluid ounces. But you can make a cafe lungo with 60 milliliters. That's 2 fluid ounces or a ristretto with 20 milliliters, which is 0.6 fluid ounces. 
The cup in which it is served is also very, very important. It should be bright white so that you can see and appreciate the colour of the coffee, and it should be made of hard porcelain so that it doesn't chip or break easily because cups in Italian bars get a lot of wear. It should be round on the outside but oval on the inside with a capacity of 80 millilitres. That's 2.7 fluid ounces. Many Italians today prefer to have their coffee served in a glass rather than in the traditional porcelain cup. And in fact, there's a bit of a debate as to which is better. There's an article about this on my blog, which I will include a link to in the show notes. The perfect cappuccino, on the other hand, should have a base of espresso, again, 35 to 40 millilitres, and 125 millilitres of milk. That's four and a quarter fluid ounces. It should be served again in a porcelain cup, which has a capacity of 150 to 180 millilitres. That's five to six fluid ounces. The milk itself should be heated only once and not overheated because otherwise it can curdle with the coffee and is difficult to digest. The foam on top should have a thickness of between one and one and a half centimetres, which is about half an inch. When the barista puts the steam in the milk, he should hold the receptacle at a 20 degree angle and continue until the milk has been warmed to 37 degrees Celsius. The barman then continues to make the milk froth using the steam until it reaches a temperature of a maximum of 70 degrees centigrade. That's 158 degrees Fahrenheit. The milk should be fresh, pasteurised full fat, not semi-skinned and certainly not UHT. Italians don't take long over their coffee. In fact, when you go into a bar, the Italians will drink the coffee standing up at the bar and they will maybe wait a couple of minutes for the coffee to cool down to the right temperature to drink, drink it, and then go. For breakfast, you'll see them also eating a brioche or cornetto, a type of croissant, or a different kind of pastry, depending on what part of Italy you're in. Price is also very low and very important to Italians. And I think because of the way in which Italians drink coffee quickly standing up, the bar overheads are such that they can keep the price very low. At the moment, about the cheapest price you'll find for a coffee in Italy is 90 euro cents. And the most expensive is 1 euro 10 cents. And the average coffee is about 1 euro. Many bars will charge a premium for sitting down with your coffee, and also you can pay a huge amount of money if you drink your coffee outside in the Piazza San Marco at Café Florian or Café I Quadri, listening to the live orchestra and appreciating the fantastic architecture of Venice. In fact, even at these amazing historic cafes, most Venetians will go inside and have their coffee standing up at the bar and pay the usual price of about a euro, one euro ten. If you want to do this, there's nothing wrong with it and no one will think you're a cheapskate. And in fact, you'll be doing what the real Venetians do. 
Italians' love affair with coffee has also moved from drinks to food. And coffee is an ingredient which a lot of chefs like to play with, mixing it even with things like spaghetti. And of course, Italy's most famous dessert, tiramisu, is coffee flavoured. Tiramisu comes from the Veneto region, from near Venice, and so it's quite appropriate that it should contain coffee. Somebody recently asked me if I could tell them how to make an authentic tiramisu, and in fact, I will be publishing the recipe for this on my blog later in the week. I'm personally very conservative in my coffee habits. If I'm out and about, I will have breakfast in a bar, and or if I've already had breakfast, I'll go in for a coffee at about 11 o'clock. And I have my favourite bars, which serve my favourite brand of coffee just the way that I like it. At home, I'll make coffee using a mocha. And in fact, I have two or three different mochas in different sizes, depending on whether I'm making coffee just for me or for other people. My favourite brand of coffee is a Neapolitan one called Passalacqua that do two or three different blends of coffee, which are all exquisite. And if you're in Naples, as soon as you arrive, when you come out of the train station, in front of the train station, uh, or not very far, is a bar called Bar Mexico. And this is the first bar that started serving the Pasalacqua coffee and still serves it to today. Pasalacqua was invented as a company in 1948, straight after the Second World War, and by the 1960s had become so famous that an Italian journalist drinking it at the Bar Mexico actually wrote that it was the best coffee in the world. So thank you once again for downloading and listening to the Lucas Italy podcast. I'm really grateful for all the ratings and great reviews that you've been writing. If you use iTunes for your podcasts, I would really appreciate it if you could rate and write a review. And I did say last week that I'm going to read out the best reviews. So here was one written by Rob Fab one and it says... Luca's history of ubiquitous and iconic Italian Christmas treat is informative, entertaining, and interesting. He takes us through from the origins of the panettone in Renaissance Milan to its present day place as part of the delights found on our festive table. With amusing anecdotes and in-depth understanding of this subject and vintage film of the manufacturing process, Luca gives us more reason to appreciate our Christmas panettone. Thank you very much, Rob Fab One. Um, I don't know what to say. That's really high praise indeed. So thank you. Anyway, I'll be back next week with another episode of the Lucas Italy podcast. So have a great week. Thank you and ciao.